to the Friday, June 21st, 2019 edition of On Iowa Politics. This week on the podcast, Joni Ernst and Donald Trump make their re-election bids official, and Democrats prepare for the first presidential primary debate. Hello, everyone. I'm Aaron Murphy, the State Capitol Bureau Chief for Lee Enterprises. With me today, Thomas Nelson of the Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier. Good morning, Thomas. Good morning, Aaron. And Gazette columnist Todd Dorman. Good morning, Todd. Good morning. You can find On Iowa Politics on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. First up this week, a few familiar Republicans made their re-election bids official. Neither of them came as any surprise, but the official kickoff to a campaign is noteworthy nonetheless, and we had a couple of them this past week. We start in Iowa, where U.S. Senator Joni Ernst is winding down her first six-year term. She used her annual Roast and Ride fundraiser this past weekend to make her re-election bid official. I was in Boone for the big event, and it was interesting to hear Ernst talk more about the Democratic presidential candidates than she did the Democrats running against her. And no, just to be clear, I don't think that means Ernst wants to run for president anytime soon. Hmm, or does she? This is Iowa. No, 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 I can't. She does not. But again, it was noteworthy that she spent more time contrasting herself with the Democratic presidential candidates, who have been, in her words, traipsing through Iowa, than she did contrasting herself with any of the Democratic Senate candidates, who she actually will wind up running against next year. Uh, Todd, what do you make of that? Well, I think I think we need to fact-check the traipsing. I don't know that I've seen a lot of traipsing, but I, I could be wrong. Uh, but... I think it's you know it's part of a strategy. You've got you've got some Democratic presidential candidates, Bernie Sanders in particular, who are talking about some fairly you know radical departures from current policy on things like health care and and some guaranteed uh, income and uh, you know college paying for college for for a lot of American kids and uh, some you know stuff that. The, the Republicans have been fond of sort of labeling socialism. In fact, Bernie Sanders labels it democratic socialism, so he's given them sort of an assist on that. And I think what you know, Joni Ernst is going to try to do is basically argue eventually that her opponent, whoever emerges from the Democratic primary, perhaps Teresa Greenfield, uh, is in that ilk, is is a is one of the socialists who's going to you know change our way of life and 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 do things that that you know red-blooded Americans don't support and I think that's so the emphasis on the presidential campaign is calculated because whoever you know all of those ideas that are sort of percolating and churning through that primary process in an effort, effort to get Democrats to support a candidate is going to be provide some fodder for her to to say that whoever her opponent is is too extreme for Iowa Yeah. So, so Thomas, how about that? That was um, uh, uh, the uh, the other big political boogeyman in, in Ernst's remarks. Uh, the, the, heard the word socialism often um, in her uh, of roughly forty some minutes of of speaking um, at her event, and we've been hearing that out of other Republican campaign corners already. Um, clearly, that's a favorite GOP attack line, at least early here in the cycle. Um, uh, do you think that will stick? Will the warnings about the great dangers of socialism and Venezuela and, and all this, will, will that have an impact on Iowa voters, especially general election voters? 
Well, uh, it could, but I think overall a lot of um, Democrats have been pushing back against the idea that socialism is a dirty word. Um, I think in general uh, we've seen uh, some of the more moderate Democratic candidates that have come out against uh, things like universal health care have been kind of spurred by the, by, the, by the Democratic base, and I think in general uh, voters as a whole. So it'll, uh, it'll be interesting to see whether or not that's going to, I think, to a certain degree, by decrying socialism, she's playing to her base. But by, you know, by pushing for more socialized care and more socialized ideas, uh, Democrats are playing to their base. So it'll be kind of interesting. I don't know. At the end of the day, I think it's going to end up determining who, you know, who has a who has more registered voters in the state, Democrats or Republicans, or whether or not that uh, the socialism ends up this uh, during this election cycle ends up becoming a dirty word, or whether or not some of the candidates like Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren are able to make that word uh, less uh, dec- uh, decrease the stigma surrounding it. <clears throat> yeah, that's that's a really good point. You kind of have two different kind of reactions right now within the <clears throat> Democratic uh, presidential primary. Like you said, you've got some who are. Uh, kind of defending the word and say, look, it, it, it's just a scare word. Here's some of these programs that would fall under that umbrella, and Americans like it. And then you have other candidates who are trying to distance themselves from the word, saying we shouldn't be running on uh, socialism and socialistic programs. That's a good point, Thomas. We'll uh, see how that uh, unfolds as the campaign rolls along here. Um, moving on, Joni Ernst wasn't the only Republican starting a re-election bid this past week. Down in Florida, President Donald Trump officially kicked off his re-election campaign with uh, what was a pretty typical Trump rally. In fact, it was oddly typical in that it felt just like another 2016 campaign speech. Lots of talk about immigration, fake news, fake polls, and, of course, Hillary Clinton. Uh, God, Joni Ernst sounds like she's running against the Democratic presidential candidates. Donald Trump sounds like he's running against Hillary Clinton. I know it's early, but uh, when do we get to the point where these incumbents actually talk about their opponents? And especially in Trump's case, it's not like he has a shortage of people from which to choose. Yeah, I mean, I think the the thing about Trump, I guess, announcing his reelection is that he really never stopped running for president. So it was kind of, it was. I guess you can. As, as a candidate, you can announce whatever you want, but I don't think anybody believed he wasn't running and also that, that he had stopped. I mean, the 2016 campaign has just sort of morphed into 2020, and, and America, Make America Great Again is now Keep America Great. So we've gone from MAGA to, what was that, CAG? <laughs> I'm, I'm, not sure that's as, I'm not sure that's as lyrical. But, and, and, you know, you got Joe Biden, too, who's out there campaigning like he's already won the Democratic nomination, talking about about Trump, and he's still got quite a bit of uh, work to do to win that. So, yeah, everybody's kind of uh, talking past each other. But eventually, after these debates and some things, and we start to have caucuses and primaries, I think the Democratic, you know, the, the, the main, I think the major contenders will, of course, emerge, and then Donald Trump will have, will have something to, you know, maybe new people to make up nicknames for and, and to target on Twitter. And, and, and eventually, Joni Ernst will have... Uh, an opponent that will, you know, somebody will start to emerge from that Democratic primary. As I, I mentioned, Teresa Greenfield earlier, it looks like she, obviously, she has the Democratic Congressional Senatorial Committee behind her, and, and, and the establishment is starting to coalesce behind her campaign. And 
uh, local candidate here possibility. Uh, Stacy Walker hasn't really made his intentions known, so it may be Greenfield's nomination to to win or lose. And all, and already she's targeted at Ernst, of course. So I think Ernst will probably return the favor at some time at some point soon. Before we move on, Todd, it, it, was there anything else about? Pardon me. Anything else about the uh, president's remarks and his reelection? campaign that uh, uh, stood out to you? Well, you know, he, he doesn't seem to have, he didn't really offer anything new. As you said, it was very much like a, a 2016 uh, rally. And I, I think that's what we can expect. He's going to continue to sort of, sort of focus on his very solid base of support on things like immigration and the trade war, which, you know, of course he says we're winning. Farmers in Iowa might beg to differ. Uh, you know, I think you're seeing the same themes that you saw in 2016. And as you mentioned, Hillary Clinton is still a central player in his remarks. Maybe as he gets a more solid opponent, that will that will stop, and it'll be, they'll have to lock somebody else up. But uh, yeah, it's 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 the themes and the and the rhetoric and the attacks and the and the you know the seem pretty typical and and, and very consistent with 2016. Yeah. All right. Well, finally here today, then speaking of those 20-plus presidential candidates who are vying to run against Donald Trump next year, they have actually not been traipsing around I have very much at all lately. And I, for one, am internally grateful for the rest. In fact, I'm kicking myself now for saying it out loud, sort of like how you're not supposed to say it out loud when a pitcher is throwing a no-hitter unless you jinx it. Well, I guess if Andrew Yang shows up in Des Moines tomorrow, it's my own fault. <clears throat> but the real reason we're getting a little break here is the candidates have begun their preparation for the first debates, which are scheduled for this week. They split up over two nights in Miami, Wednesday and Thursday. Gentlemen, this is the first set of debates, first time these candidates will get up on the stage in front of a big national audience uh, with the other candidates along the state, or at least half of them, since they had to split them up. Uh, let's let's just talk about what each of you will be looking for in in these first debates. Thomas, let's let's start with you. What are you looking for uh, Wednesday and and Thursday night? Ooh, well, I'm just real pumped because as a, I'm a political junkie, I just love watching debates because they really sink into policy and the policies I'll be looking forward to seeing are universal health care and you know them talking about plans for maybe handling climate change and I because a lot of those candidates are focused on that. And speaking of socialism from earlier, I imagine a lot of candidates are going to be pushing back. Maybe some will push back against universal uh, health care and try to come up with some idea about how you know that is more of a socialized medicine, and others are going to be really pushing forward on that idea, and I think that's where uh, some of that, those ideas about socialism being not a dirty word anymore might be coming up, and I can certainly see some candidates really pushing strongly on that, especially since you've got, I think, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren on, on different nights, and I think both of them are going to be, that's going to be a big part of their campaign. On the other hand, on the other end, I'm hoping to see uh, talk on climate climate change because that's been uh, a big uh, you know a big uh, topic and issue. Whenever the candidates are going and traveling around Iowa and other places, they've been focusing on talking about how they're going to have some plan on 
changing and you know working to you know better the environment to make it to make the world ready for climate change because we're at a crisis point so it'll be really interesting to see how they're going to handle a crisis point and that's i think going to be really telling for how uh, you know those are going to be two issues i think that are going to be really telling for these debates yeah, and those are <clears throat> issues that, as we talk to voters, um, those are those are the ones at the top of their list as they try and sit through this field. I I, I guess to tell you, Thomas, I, I don't know if it's a statement uh, more on the um, the kind of the, the the state of political discourse in, these days, or just my general cynicism. But as you introed there and talked about uh, being a political junkie and wanting to get into policy, I couldn't tell if you're being sarcastic or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it, you know. I realized as I was saying it that it sounds kind of it sounded sarcastic. <laughs> but you know what? I'm idealistic. You know, I I, 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 I remain as idealistic as possible. <laughs> Good to you. Oh, man. All right, Todd. How about you? What are you watching for uh, this week? Are you, are you just going to be this, watching uh, Big Gang Theory reruns? Is this, the, is, this, is this the debate between idealism and cynicism? Is that what we're – is that what we've set up here? <laughs> the age-old uh, – you know, what, what I'd like to see, I'd like to see the candidates actually mix it up. I'd like to see, uh, you know, some of these folks that are nipping at Biden's heels actually – level some criticism at him that isn't just sort of thinly veiled about next generation, last generation type stuff. Uh, yeah, I'd like to see some, some talk about the issues also. I, I'm a, I, you know, I fear what we're going to see is maybe a, a bunch of cautious candidates not wanting to make a big mistake, talking a lot about how bad Donald Trump is, maybe talking about some issues and how things need to, you know, how they would, they would be the best candidate to, to lead the country toward change. I, I, I would like to see, you know, some moments that differentiate the candidates from each other. I, I'm also interested to see Poot, Pete Buttigieg. Uh, he's but he's done he's done really well in like long form when he's sort of at a town hall or being interviewed on a stage by himself. I'll be interested to see how well he he does in this sort of crowded format where you've only got a you know a short amount of time to to make your case. Uh, so those are, those are some of the things that I'll be looking for, and I I will be probably watching that flipping back and forth maybe to like the twins game or something <laughs> all right yeah it'll it'll be interesting to me like i said this is the first debate the first the first time for a lot of these candidates to be on this biggest stage and and so what i worry about is that it'll just be a lot of you know they usually take that opportunity to be more biographical and make sure they introduce mm -hmm. themselves to voters and and uh, i worry that that <clears throat> will kind of dominate and, and and we won't get as much substance but uh we'll see we'll, we'll remain idealistic and and hopeful and, and, and inspired by Thomas here and, and that we'll actually get some good uh, debate and something that'll help these poor islands who are still trying to decide among these 20-plus candidates. Um, and we'll be right back here next week to talk about what we saw in those first debates. So that's it for this edition of On Idle Politics. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We hope it was worth your time. If you like the show, tell a friend and subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher. And you can send fan mail to oniowapolitics at gmail.com. And we'd like to remind you, you can find our work every week on the pages and websites of the Quad City Times, Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier, Cedar, uh, pardon me, Sioux City Journal, Mason City Globe Gazette, Muscatine Journal, and the Cedar Rapids Gazette. 
Party Cooper will play us out this week. If you know a band or a talented Iowa musician who should be featured on our show, send us a sound file. For Thomas, Todd, and our producer, Stephen, I'm Aaron Murphy. Thanks for listening. Touch the floor